If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improved jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. During hunting season, headed to a clear cut before first light, what we thought was a bear at first came down the bank to the right of the truck onto the road directly in front of us, approximately 10 yards away, stopped, looked over, and then took off down the bank on the opposite side of the road. Several distinct things to me were the fact that its eyes were bright yellow from the headlights, which usually indicates a predator, i.e. cougars, bobcats, wolves, etc. Also, it moved at a high rate of speed down the mountain as soon as my friend began to exit the truck. By high rate of speed, I mean inhuman, like a scared elk or something, and it was pretty steep terrain. I was on a hunting trip with my family. I remember it was very cold, saw a small amount of snow. I looked down in the mud and clearly saw a human footprint in the mud. I showed one of my family members as we laughed and joked about Bigfoot. Ha <laughs> ha! Bigfoot! Later we started to think that print was in the middle of nowhere, freezing cold. We tried to go back and locate the track, but never found it. I wish I could have gotten a cast of it. In the wilds of Alaska, within the expansive territory of a Native American reservation, I, an Apache native named Witty Bison, moved through the dense forest with the ease of a shadow. My senses were attuned to every rustle of leaves and snap of twigs, a skill passed down through generations of my Apache ancestors. 
On this fateful day, I had ventured out to track the movements of a rare herd of endangered deer, hoping to ensure their safety with our safety within our sacred lands. As I stealthily maneuvered through the trees, I spotted a group of five figures in the distance. My heart sank as I realized they were poachers armed and ready to commit an unforgivable crime against the very creatures I sought to protect. Rage boiled within me, but I knew that rushing into action would jeopardize not only my life, but also the lives of the innocent deer. So I watched from afar, hidden by the foliage, as they callously set their sights on the majestic creatures. I cursed their greed and ignorance, praying silently for some divine intervention to stop them. But fate had other plans. One of the poachers glanced in my direction, spotting my presence amidst the trees. Their eyes locked with mine, and I knew I had been discovered. My heart pounded, adrenaline coursing through my veins as I turned and fled, the deafening sound of their pursuit echoing in my ears. I navigated the wilderness with the instincts of a predator, utilizing every ounce of knowledge my ancestors had imparted upon me to evade the relentless onslaught of the criminals. Yet, even as the roles of hunter and hunted shifted, my determination to protect the deer remained unwavering. The poachers were ruthless and relentless, sparing no effort to track me down. As the chase wore on, I found myself using every trick in the book to gain the upper hand ambushing them with calculated precision and vanishing into the wilderness once more. It was during one such ambush that I managed to eliminate two of the poachers, my bow and arrow proving to be a swift and silent instrument of justice. Though their lives were forfeit, I couldn't help but feel a pang of sorrow for the darkness that led them astray. Nonetheless, I pressed on, knowing that the remaining three would show no mercy if they caught up to me. As I continued my harrowing escape, a chilling scream pierced through the air, sending shivers down my spine. I looked back to see one of the poachers had been separated from the group, and he stared wide into the heart of the woods. His fear was palpable as he muttered words of terror, speaking of a creature from Native American folklore, a wendigo. My heart pounded in my chest as I caught a glimpse of the monstrous figure lurking among the trees. The Wendigo was a horrifying sight to behold, towering over the poacher with twisted limbs and a skeletal frame. Its eyes glowed with an otherworldly light, and a haunting aura of malevolence surrounded it. Frozen with fear, I watched as the Wendigo lunged at the poacher, its movements impossibly fast and agile. With one swift motion, it struck him down. And in that moment, I realized that the stories of the Wendigo were not mere legends. They were real living embodiments of ancient darkness, awakened by the greed and cruelty of men. As the remaining poachers left, Wendigo just disappeared. I still cannot believe what I saw, and I know that no one will believe me. But I'm no longer skeptic. They are not folklore anymore. I was at church camp many years ago. The tradition that was fulfilled every year was to visit an abandoned house in the dead of night with the campers and tell scary stories about the past residents of said residents. A pretty long trail from the camp is the fastest trail, along with camp counselors jumping out to scare the kids. A head count was taken once during the trip and also when the campers got to the house. 
A camper was reported missing once we got to the house and a group of counselors were scrambled to find her. She was found back at camp unconscious in her cabin. She didn't remember returning to her cabin, but she was very sore. No other details are known other than that hermits live in the camp during the winter. I was bicycle touring through Europe solo and was riding through Austria heading west from Vienna on a path that followed the Danube River. I should also note I was wild camping most nights to save money, a key, just setting up a tent wherever the if it seemed like no one would bother me. When it came time to find a place to sleep one night, I found a random dirt road that peeled off into the woods. I ended up following it for a bit before finding a meadow I could hide my tent in. I did the evening routine just like every other night and passed out. Sometime in the middle of the night, I woke up to one of the most terrifying animal scream moans I've ever heard. After lying there for a minute, wondering if it was just a dream, I heard it again, then again, but closer and closer and closer, till it sounded like it was right outside my tent. The thing to remember is that I was that nobody on planet Earth knew where I was there, which was a very unsettling thought as I lay there with my knife in one hand and light in the other ready to stab to shit whatever demon creature burst through my tent wall. Then just like that, it stopped for a couple seconds before I heard the noise moving away from me. The noise kept echoing through the woods for a couple minutes, getting further and further away each time. After a terrible couple hours of trying to sleep and waiting for the sun, I got out of the tent looking for any sign of said creature, which there was none. After telling someone about this, they said it was probably a boar, which indeed it was which is also unsettling, because those people are mean. We lived in the Kaimichi Mountains with about a cream of land at the base of the mountain. It was late at night and something sprinted in the corner of my eye. My boyfriend quickly ran to edge of the porch as my dog chased after it. Once I realized what I was seeing, I was begging my dog to come back. It was about five foot tall, hunched over with white and black fur. The color of this thing was almost glitchy. It had ears on top of its head and a short snout. We seen no arms at all while it was running and also a tail which was a fuzzy tail. It was bipedal and running so fast, but its head wasn't bobbing at all. As my dog ran towards it, she was physically confused and she stopped and shook her head as she was running the wrong direction. She's not a dumb dog. She's a cattle dog and she's never deliberately ran the wrong direction. It's something she's pursuing. In my shock, all I could mutter was, oh my God, is that a human? As it was the only thing I could think of, seeing this dog person running across my yard. The next thing I knew, my boyfriend was walking in the yard to get a better view of it, whilst I was trying not to pee my pants. This dog thing scaled a cow fence about five feet tall behind our RV within absolute seconds. I was halfway inside the house, scared to even be outside, still screeching for my dog to return as she regained her brains and was chasing the thing. My boyfriend said it stood up in the cow field right under the only single light post in the field, 
with its back to him and its shoulders broad, and its height easily adding another three feet just standing straight up. Now this all took place within seconds, but it was all so clear in slow motion happening. We did investigate the fence the next morning and did find some white coarse hair on the top of the fence, but we ended up losing it shortly after. With no evidence of this, all we have is both of our stories, but they line up immaculately. Living there, I have seen the beast once more on my own, which scared me shitless. A suspected pterodactyl ghosts, hundreds of UFOs, weird lights in our windows, possible Bigfoots and a strange woman's voice on the opposite side of a hunting dog's pen, asking a question in an unknown language with no dogs to bark at her, which is super strange. Has anyone ever seen anything like this? We sighted what we believed to be a Bigfoot while driving to the coast on Little Used Smith River Road. We were driving the convertible, and Mel was taping the road as we drove. The Bigfoot, or whatever it was, came from behind a tree and ran quickly into the woods. It was about two football fields away and was in the video for a very short time. It appeared silver at that distance and seemed to run with its hands at its side. All right, my eyes are watering because even thinking about this memory frightens me. I used to live in a small section of New York called Sullivan County, which was known for bad reception, rednecks, and all types of addicts. Needless to say, it is not the best of areas, nor the most populated. I was seated in the driver's seat of my boyfriend's car as he drove towards his uncle's home. We had to go there to make a pit stop, and afterwards we were going to pick up one of our friends and take him home. On the way driving to DJ's, my boyfriend, uncle, we ran into a bit of a car jam, extra rare for lack of people, in which there was a car on fire in the middle of an intersection less than 15 feet from us. The moon was bright above us, and as I looked at the burning car, I swore I could hear screams. The moon legit seemed to turn pinkish, and as my blood curdled, I yelped for DJ to find another road. I am an empath as well as he and I could tell we were both having a physical as well as a spiritual impact by what we were seeing. He backed up and took a side road to his unks, which was about 25 minutes longer than the normal route. On our little shortcut through spoopy woods, we almost ran over a red fox that literally jumped from some bushes, followed five minutes later by a gigantic panicked stag running straight through our headlights, nearly crashing into the front portion of our car as it bounded through the road into forest. Female doe were all the occurrence, but a male stag that gigantic and a red fox were incredibly rare. When we got to his uncle's driveway, we sat and spoke in low voices about what we had seen, and I was shook. At the moment, I was saying to him that I felt death in the air. A bird of some kind came and flew straight into his uncle's truck, which was parked in front of us. I yelped and ran to check on it. It had broken. Its neck and looked like a sweet brown bird from what I could see. My boyfriend didn't let me spend much time on the Lyle thing as he pushed me into the front door. The night got scarier from there, but I think I'm done recounting for now.
My childhood best friend, Marie, and I were around 11 or 12 years old at the time. Marie's family had their own campsite in a provincial park about two hours from our hometown and would spend the entire summer each year living in their camper out there. This particular summer, I was able to go and stay with them for a week, and we were excited to spend our time adventuring around the forest. On the last night that I was there, we decided we wanted to hurry down to the ice cream shop by the lake before it closed. It was early evening at this point, still pretty bright out, but beginning to lose light. The path we took was down a short slope right next to the main road with maybe ten feet of thick brush and trees in between. On the other side was the forest with more tall, thick brush. So we were walking along, not seeing a single other person on the path in front or behind us. We hear a sudden rustling and snapping of branches similar to the sound of maybe a deer moving through the woods. I wouldn't have thought anything of it, but then the sound of running footsteps follows. Marie glances back and suddenly grabs my arm, urging me under her breath not to look back. At the same time, the running stops. I don't know why I didn't ignore her and get a look myself. I guess I could sense the very real fear in her voice and chose to listen. We both start to panic, getting that feeling like when you're running up the stairs after turning the basement light off. We pick up speed as much as we can without breaking into a sprint, knowing the ice cream shop is only about a minute walk away at this point. The path soon breaks and we are in the parking lot. Suddenly Marie steers me hard to the left, heading towards the lake in the boat rental instead of continuing straight to the ice cream shop, and I go along with it silently, understanding ice cream is no longer an interest right now. Marie is clearly panicking at this point. We are both looking around, but it seems whatever scared her is nowhere in sight at this point. Marie walks up to the boat rental and gets us a kayak, and we climb in and begin to paddle out into the middle of the lake. As we paddle, she tells me that there was a man behind us, and that the man had stopped running at us very abruptly upon making eye contact with her. He had been wearing a long black coat with the hood up despite it being the middle of July, had a terrible smirk on his face, and she swore that as he stopped running, she saw him put something shiny away into his coat. He appeared to have just emerged out of the bushes after we walked past, given the sounds we heard right before he came running onto the path. We reached the center of the lake and stopped paddling. I pull out my Nokia brick phone that my parents had, thank God given me just in case. I hand it to Marie and tell her to call her parents to come pick us up. As the phone rings, I see her look out past me to the shore and go pale, lifting a hand to point to what she's seeing. I turn, and there was a man, stalking his way around the path that circled the edge of the lake, staring out at us. We sat in the middle of the lake and watched him do two full laps, never looking away from us, before finally disappearing. It took a few tries to get a hold of her family. We were freaking out so bad the whole time. As the sun got lower and lower, we did manage to have someone come with a truck, but by the time we reached the shore, it was pretty dark outside. I don't know what we would have done if we hadn't been able to call for a ride. Looking back, I don't know why we didn't just go up to the ice cream shop, inform an adult there, and ask her parents to come get us then. But it worked out. We got back safe, and we thankfully never saw the man again.
Middle of the night in the Sierra Nevadas, California inside a debris hut with my dad. Zone by 12 to be exact. We hiked in about six miles for the beginning of the archery hunt, deer. Get woken to a blood-curdling scream around 2 a.m. Right outside our hut, we could only make out a partial shadow through the leaves and twigs. Only way I can describe, it is a very furry horse but standing on two legs. The death sounds went on for two, three minutes while we're freaking out trying to knock an arrow. Spent the rest of the night wide awake. That morning we couldn't find a trace. No footprints or tracks in the dirt. Nothing. The first thing that came to mind was that it must have been a mountain lion. We've heard mountain lions scream before, but this was nothing like a mountain lion. It was deeper, more visceral. We haven't been back since. So let me start by saying that my brother and I are extremely experienced desert campers, and we have lived near deserts pretty much our whole lives. I've never in my 20 years of life ever for one second believed in anything paranormal or anything to do with evil spirits. Unlike my brother, who has always sensed presences and been able to see mostly what we call D-Gen, also knows demons. Until last night, which is safe to say marks the last time we will be camping alone in the desert. We always have the same place we like to go when we want to camp with minimum effort, and our day started as normal as ever, but as we got closer and closer to our destination, I saw my brother's mood completely shift, and when I asked what was wrong, he just shrugged me off and told me to just keep driving. When we arrived, I felt completely fine, but my brother was still unusually quiet. It was around 1 p.m. at that point, and we were planning on leaving at around 12.01 a.m. Because of the heat, we made the terrible decision to set up under a few trees and a source of water, which in Middle Eastern culture is where the Dean Jeans live at night. Not that I believed that at the time, of course. However, we still set up our camp and continued on as normal. Now, my brother always says that when he feels a presence, or several in this case, he gets extremely unlucky. First, he almost dropped a box of coals on his foot. Then he spilt an entire bottle of Coke on his phone. Then he dropped it into the sand. Then proceeded to smash his elbow on the edge of the chair he was sitting on, which is now very swollen. And last, but certainly not least, when he was looking through one of our boxes, he felt something cold and sharp pressed right against his arm, and he realized it was an unsheathed knife, which we packed with its case, the previous night before, and he later said it felt like something pushed his hand into it, right where his veins are. All of these events consecutively within a matter of a few hours was certainly making us both uneasy, and I, for the life of me, couldn't figure out why he was suddenly so unlucky. As I was staring to question his clumsiness, a random couple appeared out of nowhere, informing us that they were stuck in the sand and needed help. We drive a land cruiser, and they had a Nissan Altima, so we didn't expect to encounter as many issues as we did. We first dug them out without any issues, but as we pushed them out of the sand, but they got stuck again. If you know anything about dun bashing or desert camping, then you understand the physics behind how wheels get stuck in sand, and the way this Nissan was stuck was incredibly unusual. 
It was literally stuck somewhere with plenty of space available for grip. And later, and my brother said that as we were digging them out of the sand, that's when he really started feeling an evil presence around us, but didn't want to say anything as to not ruin the trip and freak me out. So we ended up having to tow them out of the sand, which again was far harder than it had to be. First, our tow strap broke off of their bumper. Tow strap cost $200 and was fine, but their bumper was slightly damaged. Then we almost got stuck ourselves, and a 20-minute job took more like 90, which again was extremely unusual and with hindsight just the beginning of all the crap to come. When we came back to our camp, we noticed how everything around us had gotten unusually quiet. The area we were in has hundreds of birds around, and as far as we have seen, three cats who sometimes pay us a visit. But there wasn't a single noise at all other than our fire, which was dying out unusually quickly. It had gotten dark quickly, so we had scrambled to build a fire to cook our dinner before we were asked to help the couple, and I had noticed the silence but it didn't bother me. However, my brother suddenly grabbed my hand as we were sitting down to eat and said with clear fear in his voice that we should go as quickly as possible and that he didn't feel safe. To ease both our minds, we prayed. We're Christians, so uh, of course we thought it would help us, but I think it accelerated everything that happened and just made whatever was there with us angry. We quickly finished our dinner in me being the skeptic, I was completely fine and pretty much just humoring my brother. You tell I started getting the nagging feeling that it was time to pack up and leave. It hit me like a wave, and I was quite taken aback by the feeling, so I voiced it to my brother. And he agreed that we should pack up right away and leave. We started packing up at a normal pace, like we were just tired and wanted to leave and that when we heard a sound very close to us on the opposite side of the pond, which wasn't that big, that I could only describe as the sound of death itself, and it seemed to go on for several minutes, and when I say that we looked at each other in absolute fear, I genuinely mean I was ready to have a heart attack right there and then. At that point, after being frozen for a few minutes, and quite reasonably so, after hearing that bellowing screech so close to us, we turned on the car, drove it back so we could see better with the headlamps, and just started throwing everything into the car without much care, but with a whole lot of urgency. And it was like, after the screaming, that's when it really hit the fan. First it was the sound of twigs snapping and footsteps all around us. Then it was the shadows behind the trees, and I tried everything to try and get those shadows to change shape. Walking around the trees and moving the lights, but nothing it looked like. There were people just staring at us the whole time, and you could really feel it too. We really felt like we weren't alone and that we weren't with friendly entities either. We also noticed that all three cats were huddled right behind our car away from the trees so they were not the ones snapping twigs, but literally did not care if they were not going to move. I was still getting out if they're... Thankfully, they left when we started reversing, but they too looked absolutely terrified and were just starting at the trees too. It also felt like whatever was there was getting closer, and I have never felt anything like it. It was a gut feeling and you just know it's one of those natural instincts you should not ignore. Thankfully, we were able to pack up quickly. Our tent was very close to the trees, though, so that was a nerve-wracking experience. 
and whilst we are packing it is still very silent. It's very normal for the birds around that area to continue making sounds until 2 or 3 a.m. And at this point it was about 8 p.m., so it was highly unusual. I personally think I was most terrifying as I was driving away back onto the main dirt path to leave the desert. I know cars very well and know how they drive in the sand, and I know our car especially well, because we've had it for so long, and I could instantly tell that the steering was off, and completely fighting against me, which fixed itself. The second we were on the highway, the sound of twigs snapping was still all around us, and it was loud enough to be heard over the sounds of the car, and on the path was what seemed like every bird that was in the area just standing there and staring at us until we got close enough to force them to walk, not even fly, away. At one point, my brother just grabbed me shoulder and told me very sternly to just keep looking in front of me and under no circumstances to look through his window. It was the tone of his voice that told me to listen to him for the love of God. We were in a part of the desert where we had to pretty much drive through the whole of the accessible areas to get onto the highway, and there wasn't a single person around us. The only thing we saw was a very clearly abandoned Toyota Hilux position behind a small dune and hidden by the trees, but was far enough from our campsite to easily be ruled out as the source of the original screech. The worst thing I saw was as we were closing to the exit. Now we know these deserts very well. We've both grown up here and have been riding dirt bikes and quad bikes in these deserts since we moved here, and we know what wildlife to expect. Cats, birds, spiders, goats, camels, mice, foxes, maybe even the occasional scorpio. Or if you are really unlucky, a snake. But that is it. There is nothing else in these deserts. We saw standing in the middle of the path, staring directly at us, a deer damn deer. I've only ever seen one deer in 16 years of living here, and that was in someone's garden as a pet. It's safe to say I was in complete shock, and the deer was just not moving at all, until I got close enough that we could practically smell the thing before it slowly walked off the path whilst looking right at us. We quickly moved past the deer, and again my brother, with a gasp and then very sternly, said to keep my eyes right in the road. I asked him as we got on the highway what it was that he kept seeing, and he very reluctantly told me he kept seeing large figures around us any time we went through a bend, and they were all either pointing right as us or ahead of us. I'm very glad he didn't tell me at the time, so I would have been shitting myself. We still were yet to encounter anyone, but we still very clearly heard sounds all around us. And again, not the usual bird or cat, but very clearly big and unrelenting. When I saw the exit, I was as happy as I have ever been. But that quickly fade when once again we saw another deer standing right in the middle of the road, slowly waking away and looking right at us, except this time it didn't really look like a deer, more like a kangaroo mixed with a deer. And its eyes were milky and it looked rotten and horrible. But I didn't much care. I just stepped on the gas, and fortunately, it had gotten out if the way in time. Now, when you exit the desert, you can either turn right onto a long stretch of highway, or you can go left and go through a small town, then take the back streets to a parallel highway, and 
As I was about to turn right, my brother once again, with that same tone of voice, said to go to the town and go to the right. Later he once again said he saw a line of figures pointing ahead of us. So if we would have gone that way, we wouldn't have made it home in one piece. Thankfully, as we made it farther and farther away, and close to our home, the gut feeling of being watched was going away, and of course having never experienced something like this, before I was distraught and wanted to talk about it. My brother told me as we were going home that because we were alone, the D-Gen wanted to mess with us, that they wanted to scare us and most likely cause us harm, and that the way they get to you in such rural places is to force you to stop and then do whatever they want, which makes sense as to why. There were so many animals on our path. He also said that they caused bad luck, and he could feel them the second we entered the desert, which explains his clumsiness all day and the car that got stuck in such an unusual manner. This is also my younger brother by three years, and naturally any time he ever told me about this sort of thing, I always just dismissed it as him scaring himself. I can excuse the sounds we heard and shadows we saw last night. I can excuse the gut feeling is just being scared, but I cannot excuse the two deer we saw staring right at us, and I cannot excuse the car just randomly fighting against me as I was driving. The deer completely freaked me out, as did the tone of my brother's voice. I'm also sorry if this is written sporadically. I'm still shaken up and trying to make sense of everything. And it's safe to say we are not going camping there again, and it's safe to say I'm never dismissing my brother when Jake comes to this kind. If thing again, and God am I so thankful that we made it home safely. Edit. I also forgot to mention that as we were setting up our tent it was fighting us. We would secure one end of it into the ground, and instantly another end would pop out, and after we finally managed to get it set up, it looked as if something was pushing it in, and it collapsed once before we got it back up, and then again it looked like something was pushing on it, which is something neither of us have ever experienced before, and we have set up tents in the middle of a sandstorm before. In the spring or summer of 2003, 2004, or 2005, right after my retirement at the end of 2002, I started volunteering with the Leon County, Florida Red Cross. We had just received a federal state grant to assess the readiness of neighboring counties for any potential terrorist attacks. On these assessment trips, Red Cross personnel and volunteers usually 10 to 20 of us, would travel in a rented Greyhound bus to the designated county. Our usual departure time was around 8 a.m. from Leon County. One particular morning, we were traveling east along I-10. I found myself seated alone, slightly behind the middle of the bus on the right side, next to the window. I wasn't engaged in any activities, not reading, not listening to anything, nor conversing with anyone. As we journeyed through either eastern Jefferson County or western Madison County, my attention was caught by an airplane overtaking the bus from behind. It was a substantial jet airliner, although I couldn't recall any specific markings. The strange thing was it seemed to be descending as if preparing to land. However, I knew there were no airports in that vicinity that could accommodate a plane of that size. Behind a tree line, the plane was fully visible due to the absence of any underbrush. 
I prepared myself for the worst, expecting a crash. However, as our bus advanced, leaving the plane behind, I neither saw nor heard any signs of a crash. It was perplexing, given that we were close enough to hear an explosion had one occurred. I looked around the bus, but no one else appeared to have noticed the peculiar incident. Everyone was engaged in their own activities, reading, chatting, or simply lost in their own thoughts. I chose not to share what I'd witnessed, not wanting to cause any unnecessary alarm. Later that evening, I recounted the incident to my husband and kept an eye on the news to see if there had been any reports of a plane crash in the area. My husband, however, didn't have much to say. I suppose he didn't want to offend me by suggesting that I might have been hallucinating. But I knew what I saw, and it remains an unexplained mystery to this day. It was a beautiful sunny afternoon, and I decided to take my young children to a nearby cave for a little adventure. The cave was a popular spot, known for its stunning stalactites and stalagmites, but on this day we were lucky to have the place to ourselves. The cave was spacious and airy, allowing plenty of sunlight to filter in, illuminating our path. We made our way through, splashing in the occasional puddle, pointing out interesting rock formations and echoing our voices off the cavernous wall. The cave tunnel took about 30 minutes to traverse and ended in a small, narrow exit. However, due to the muddy conditions, we decided to turn around and head back the way we had come. About halfway back through the cave, I noticed something unusual. There was a candle burning brightly, placed about eight feet up on one side of the cave wall. My heart skipped a beat. I was certain it hadn't been there when we first passed through. I felt a surge of protective instinct. There was likely someone else in the cave hidden in the shadows. I quickly gathered my children close, keeping them between myself and the cave wall. I tried to appear calm, not wanting to alarm them. As we cautiously moved forward, my eyes strained to penetrate the dimness, searching for any sign of movement. And then, just as we were nearing the mouth of the cave, we saw it. Silhouetted against the sunlight streaming in from the entrance was a massive figure, easily over eight feet tall. It was covered in thick, matted hair from head to toe, and it stood on two legs like a man. But its arms were much longer, reaching almost to its knees. For a moment it stood there, unmoving, seemingly as surprised to see us as we were to see it. I realized then that we were staring at a creature of legend, a Bigfoot. The moment passed, and the creature turned, disappearing into the dense forest surrounding the cave entrance. We hurried out into the daylight, our hearts pounding. We didn't stop moving until we had put a distance between ourselves and the cave, even now years later. We still talk about that day, the day we ventured into a cave and came face to face with a creature from our wildest imaginations. It was a sighting that transformed an ordinary outing into an extraordinary memory. Years ago, I lived in a forest in a tiny house with a flat roof. It might sound unbelievable as in horror movies, but close to our house was a land with housing for people in bad mental condition. As a social worker, I'm not scared because of it at all, and I think it's really nice we were all lucky to live in the middle of beautiful nature. One night I was home alone. 
I drank my drink and smoked my smoke all those days when I heard something walking over the roof of the house, first a louder boof like a jump, some weird running around, that over and over and over, I like fantasy, thrillers, splatter, sci-fi, but believe me, not when you feel like you're in the middle of that. It was hard to escape the sound. I didn't want to go outside in the deepest night, so I laid under my blanket, hoping it would stop or I would fall asleep, but I couldn't. Then I heard the blinds and realized I left my window open. I started to hear my heart beat in my head, then some scratching behind the TV, even though my lights were still on. You kept my eyes powerfully shut, and then there was that one moment I thought, I can lay here waiting to get murdered, or at least do my best and scare back. I crawled out under my blanket, took my guitar as some sort of damaging baseball bat, and shuffled towards the TV. I heard the scratching and saw water coming out under the TV table. Whatever that was behind the TV was about to get squished between the wall and my guitar. I did a Conan the Barbarian pose and pressed the guitar behind my TV to be shocked with the most terrible scream ever. I froze. And there he was. A big fat red cat finally flew next to my head towards the blind straight out of the window. I never knew I could be this retarded. They should have brought me to the land for people in bad mental condition. My husband's extended family lives in New Brunswick, while his parents moved to Ontario and raised their kids here. Eventually, my in-laws retired back to New Brunswick, about 1,400 kilometers away. So, my husband's maternal grandmother was sick for a while. His parents got the call one night that she had taken a turn for the worse, and to come right away. They literally packed and left Ontario right away and were driving down across an old, old logging highway in the middle of New Brunswick, see my older post for a short gift for the desolate road, when a moose ran out onto the road and reared in front of their car. They stopped the car and the moose walked up to the windows and looked into the cab, literally leaving breath on the windows. Eventually it walked away. They get to the hospital in the middle of the night only to find out that Grandma passed away exactly at that time. Fast forward 30 years, my husband's mom is terminally ill. Her kids and grandkids have convened in New Brunswick for her last days. For several days before her death, we come home from the hospital to find moose tracks in the driveway, especially around the windows of the house. My husband's cousin has to go back to Ontario and leaves the hospital to get ready. Within an hour of this, my husband's mom had passed away. Fifteen minutes after her passing, I get a text from his cousin. A picture of a moose standing beside their garage. Never before or after has anyone seen a moose in the yard. went on a five-day gold panning trip with a couple buddies of mine. We drove six hours down unused logging roads. We're talking totally overgrown roads with trees having to be removed from the road to pass. We saw not one human the entire time we were out there except for on the third night at 3 a.m. We are sitting around the fire, drinking some beers, swatting at bugs, and shooting the shit when I hear a something I look over and notice some light in the trees. 
What the? It's a truck driving up the logging road. We had cleared ourselves to get there at 3 a.m. The truck gets up to where we are, pulls into where we made camp, a small turnoff spot for logging trucks, sits there for 10 seconds while we all kind of stare in shock at one another. I get up and start walking towards the truck to say hello and ask what the heck they are doing out at 3 a.m. on abandoned logging roads. When the truck just backs up, turns around, and drives off the way it came, the guys just drove six hours down logging roads all through the night, sees us and leaves without saying a word. We're all sitting there going, uh, what the F? We all figured this guy was driving down the road, getting out and coming back to kill us in our sleep. Next morning we head down the road and nothing. They didn't set up camp or anything, just left. We figured we were likely camped out near a grow-up for one of the gangs, Hell's Angels most likely, and they were coming out to check who had come out to their spot, or they were there to pick the crop in the middle of the night. I've told this story before, but never to anyone I love so deeply. So here goes. In the fifth grade, I was a huge scaredy cat. The dark absolutely terrified me because I had an overactive imagination, and in those silent, pitch-black moments, my mind would just conjure up the worst possible scenarios. So one night, I woke up in a cold sweat, my digital clock displaying 2 a.m. in its eerie green glow. As I peered over the edge of my bed, I saw what I can only describe as a figure garbed in a blood-soaked red robe. Its face was obscured by a large golden mask that reflected the dim light from the moon outside. It was a sight that still haunts my dreams. The figure stood there, silent as a grave, just staring at me from behind the mask. I laid there for what felt like an eternity, my heart pounding in my chest. Then, to my sheer terror, it dropped the mask onto the floor, revealing a grotesque face underneath. The face was pale, almost luminescent, its eyes too big for a human, and it wore a sinister smile. As if this sight wasn't horrifying enough, it started laughing, a cold, menacing laugh that echoed around my room and seemed to penetrate my very soul. For about ten agonizing minutes, the figure faded slowly, still laughing until it was gone, leaving me in the chilling darkness. Frozen by fear, I stayed in my bed for what felt like an eternity. Then adrenaline kicked in, and I bolted from my room, racing to the sanctuary of my parents' room. Of course, they were as terrified as I was, though more for my estate than the story I recounted. The next day, my parents asked Officer Dan, our neighbor and the town's most trusted cop, to come over and check things out. He was the kind of guy who'd seen it all. A comforting presence who never dismissed anything, no matter how far, fetched it sounded. I remember sitting there, nervously picking at the threads of my sleeve as I relayed my nightmarish experience to him. People have told me in the recent past that what I experienced sounds like sleep paralysis, but I distinctly remember sitting up slightly, rubbing my eyes, and then seeing that horrid figure. To this day, the memory of that red-robed figure sends shivers down my spine, and sometimes, in the dead of the night, I still feel the echoes of that cold, menacing laugh. But having someone like Officer Dan around, even if just to hear me out, made it a bit more bearable. 
I've been working on cleaning up a property that I recently purchased for a lakeside cabin. I've spent the last three weekends there since the purchase. So far it's just been junk removal and cleaning, but I've brought a lot of tools and some general supplies as well. Almost as soon as I started cleaning, I noticed messes I didn't make or things knocked over. I have a fairly large pile of, of junk wood and garbage outside, and every morning it's all flipped over like someone has been going through it and moving everything around. On my second weekend, out my circular saw went missing after I forgot it outside. I am on a fairly large property, 23 acres, and there is no neighbors for a good distance. I got pretty worried that there could be squatters on the property, so I set up a trail cam outside pointed towards the trash pile. The Sunday night I heard a huge slam and then what almost sounded like a young girl giggling. After that there was nothing. I went out to find trash moved all over. A bucket was moved at least 20 feet and I found some little gold bracelet put inside of it that was not there before. My trail cam is gone, but it sinks to the cloud through a cell network, so I was able to get the single picture it took. I literally have no idea what to think or do. The first thing I noticed is the raccoon or something similar standing over the bucket, just staring at the camera. Even though it's kind of creepy, I felt relieved that it's just an animal. Then yesterday I noticed the face behind. What the F is that? Seriously, what am I looking at? Is it a person, a doll, a child, someone in a mask? I'm scheduled to head back tomorrow morning for the weekend again, but I just need some answers. Hey there, let me share some intriguing experiences I had growing up in southern New Hampshire, particularly in East Derry. My childhood home was situated on a quiet cul-de-sac with a police captain and a detective as our neighbors. Living in that house was eventful, to say the least, with a multitude of strange occurrences tied to its very essence. One of the most peculiar phenomena I encountered was the presence of a shadow person, manifesting itself in the likeness of my family members. Even years later, after we had moved away, my older brother confided in me, saying, whatever it was, it seemed to have taken a liking to you. This brings me to one of the many stories I have from that time. My best friend, who lived just five houses down, had parents who owned a pop-up camper. It was parked to the side of their porch, with its door serving as the family's main entrance. Being curious 12-, 14-year-olds, we often had sleepovers in the camper with other kids from the neighborhood. During one of these nights, we had an experience that continues to haunt me. On this particular occasion, it was just my friend and me. As girls of that age, we would often bicker over trivial matters. That night, it was about a piece of gum she threw to me, which ended up getting lost between the mattresses and the lining of the camper. She was unwilling to give me another piece, which sparked a heated argument between us. As we went back and forth, our voices growing louder, an eerie silence suddenly enveloped us. Out of nowhere, we both heard the distinct sound of footsteps pacing around the camper. Then came the voices. It's difficult to put into words, but it felt as if someone was whispering right beside us. Yet the voice carried a strange distance. It was a male voice, speaking in a language we couldn't comprehend. We exchanged worried glances, and I recall my friend hastily taking off her socks. 
They were new, fuzzy, and mine. We didn't want them getting ruined, you know. Without further ado, we sprinted the fifteen feet to the side door, hurried inside, and raced up the stairs to her room, clutching the house phone along the way. Given that her parents were heavy drinkers, we didn't want to disturb them. So we did the only logical thing and called my house instead. My mom, concerned for our safety, drove around the neighborhood twice, but upon returning, she assured us she saw nothing out of the ordinary. We were so spooked by the incident that we decided to sleep on the floor next to each other. It just so happened that our sleeping spot was beneath the window overlooking her front yard. Before we eventually drifted off to sleep, we both distinctly recall hearing the sound of raking or digging. This story dates back nearly 20 years now, but to this day I remain friends with my childhood best friend. Whenever I recount this tale or any of the other strange occurrences from that time, she can always vouch for me. We shared an unexplainable bond during those unforgettable years. Indeed, East Derry seemed to be a hub for bizarre happenings. Numerous peculiar events took place in that town, leaving an indelible mark on our memories. It was January 14th of this year, 2020. Three. I was on my way to work, so it was approximately 5.30. 5.45 a.m. and was a light rain and dark. I was coming from Hammond, Indiana, heading west on 165th, which turns into 150. Nah. I was between State Street and Wentworth, Ave, and Calumet City, Illinois. So when I saw it, I was now in Illinois after passing State Street. I was in the left lane, and there was only one car in front of me in the right lane. This car was about six car lengths ahead of me. This is a wooded area, and I saw something alongside the car in front of me by the rear. As I said, this is a wooded area, and I am always watching for deer, raccoons, and opossums. I looked harder and watched and thought to myself, is that a deer? It's running fast. Then I realized there was no way it was a deer. It looked bigger. Like I said, it was a light rain, dark, and had my wipers on. I started to speed up because I had no clue what this was at this point. As I got closer, whatever it was went directly behind the car in front of me, suddenly had a huge wingspan and went up and over my car. I talked about it for weeks, telling everyone how it was very unsettling, and it's all I thought about since that morning. I take the same route to work Monday, Saturday, and I'm always on the lookout and haven't seen anything since. It wasn't until months later my sister shared on Facebook that she found out if you go to Google Maps and search Mothman that the locations of sightings show up. At that moment it all clicked in my head and I literally said out loud, holy shit, it was F. Mothman. My husband was confused and I showed him her post and he laughed. But from that moment on I was confident and positive that's what I saw.